Welcome to What's Your Hustle. Today's episode is in honor of Remembrance Day, November 11th. As we wear our poppies, we remember those who have served in the Canadian Armed Forces and those who are currently serving, and my guests are part of that legacy. Louise and Jen Snyder are sisters in life and in arms, and I am lucky enough to have them sit down with me as they go down memory lane of their time in the service. So let's get into it. Here's What's Your Hustle, In Remembrance, with Louise and Jen Snyder. I see we've already started with the giggles. <laughs> yeah, it's knowing your sister's triggers and pushing it. <laughs> she used to get me kicked out from the diner table. Holman's brutal. Really? Yes. <laughs> what would you do? <laughs> I'm so excited. Yes, what would you do, Louise? Oh, I'd just make her laugh or say the wrong appropriate thing. My dad would get annoyed and say, Jeffrey, you're done. Leave the table. And Jim would go, it's Louise's fault. No, it isn't. You're done. <laughs> She'd get kicked up at the table. <laughs> she went through Cornwallis in July. Yeah. And I went through in August because they wouldn't put us together, right? Yeah. So you have like 20 minutes to get from your costume down to the chow hall, stand in line, eat your food, and get back. Yeah. So we were at home, and she said, Jen, can you pass the salt? And I ignored her, because I knew what was going to happen. <laughs> Jen, can you pass the salt? And my mom's looking at me, and I'm kind of doing whatever, and all of a sudden I hear, Jen, insult! <laughs> and I said, there it is. And my dad went, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> It. I was gone. <laughs> hey guys, it's What's Your Hustle, and I'm here with Louise and Jen Snyder. They are sisters, obviously, because they <laughs> know how to push each other's buttons, and if you hadn't gathered before, they live on getting each other in trouble. They're Maybe. doing it. <laughs> they're doing it now. I made them sit beside each other, so this is going to be this to be great. They're here today because this episode is dedicated to Remembrance Day. Um, they both served in the Canadian Armed Forces. Jen still works part of it, right? Yeah. Yeah, you work in at the base? I do. I'm a civilian, so I'm a, our branch is called the G1 branch, and I look after 15 people, and I'm the admin officer for the G1, who's a lieutenant colonel. Okay. Yeah, so what I do now, I was doing in uniform, Yeah. but I now do it Monday to Friday, and I wear what I want to work. Yay! And those I used to call sir, I don't have to anymore, <laughs> so I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, how long were you, Jen, in actively part of the Canadian Armed Forces? I did 28 years. So I did 10 years with the Navy, and then I transferred to the Army, yeah. and then I came out west. Did you always want to start with the Navy? Do you get a choice where you start, I guess? Yes. Yeah. The kids that we went to high school were with the Navy Reserves. Yeah. And that's what got Louise and I into it. So during the winter, it was part-time, and in the summer, it was full-time. That's awesome. Yeah, except that they never put us together. They did it once. <laughs> <laughs> once only. <laughs> did they learn their lesson from that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we found a dead nun. <laughs> oh no! Well, Rest. Let's preface 
that. Like, okay, yes. Tell so me the story. In Halifax, there wasn't enough room at CF Stadacona for everybody. Okay. So they put us up at Mount St. Vincent. Yeah. Which is a university, but attached to it is like a convent. Okay. Right? So we were bored one night and went snooping. Yeah. And we shouldn't have been. <laughs> And we were walking through part of the convent and came across a private room where there was a nun in a casket. So, of course, it's like, holy crap, there's a dead nun and we're not supposed to be in here. So, we left and that was... And it was dusk. (laughs) And that was the one and only time they ever put us on the same post at the same time. And we've never been posted together since. They're like, nope, they found a dead nun together. This is not a good idea. This isn't a good thing, so... Yeah. Yes. Scared the crap out of both of us. (laughs) What is she doing here? I know, the door we went. That sounds like a better movie than the nun scary movie that came yeah. out. Yeah. A lot we just never told anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Till now. <laughs> oh, Louise, how long were you in active duty? For uh, the I served service? 21 years. Yeah. And I served it part-time with the Navy. And when I went regular force, I went Air Force. Oh. What was the motivation to go Air Force? Um, well, the idea, we were posted to Cold Lake. Mm-hmm. Their idea of a Navy was four men in a rowboat in Primrose Range in case the F-18s went down. Mm-hmm. So I switched to Air Force. It yeah. just made more sense. Okay. What was the motivation to join the Canadian Armed Forces? We have a big history in our family of serving members. Our great-great-grandfather served during World War One. Um, our grandfather, my father served during the war, um, friends of ours in high school were part of the Navy Reserve, so we all joined together, went East Coast, West Coast, every place in between, and for us it just made sense to carry on the family tradition. It was something that we wanted to do, and it had nothing to do with the careers our older brother and sister went into, so for us it was different, but it made sense. Right. I was just going to say, you guys have two more siblings? Yes. Our brother was a a mining engineer, and our older sister um, went very heavily into admin management, and she runs part of the department for the Dravinsky Cancer Center in Hamilton. Okay. So, yes, very different fields for sure. And you said you're like, we don't want to be part of. You guys wanted to do something different from well, the group. Well, we were compared to our older siblings our whole lives. Oh. And our mother wasn't a fan of the military, and my dad was all for it. So right. So tended to aim on the side of our father. So. And was it his father or his great-grandfather that was in the war? So Both it was... his father and his, and his grandfather. And it meant a lot to him to see us in uniform. Scared him because we never took postings close to home, he got it. So. It's always that father worry of, they're not close enough in case well, something Well, if, if we would phone the home, first question is, not hi, how are you, but where are you, was always the question. You know what I mean? So whether Luis was in Russia, or I was in Bosnia, or I was in the Northwest Territories, or wherever, the first question is, where are you? And if we could say, I can't tell you, Dad would go, got it. And then move on to something else. That's nice. It's nice to have someone 
that's part of your family that understands it and went through it to give you that guidance. I think that's really sweet. Did you both join at the same time? Yes, we did. What was that like? Fun, but we could never understand. For us being twins, there's always that strong connection. And being a twin, you could see the difference in other twins very quickly. So we could never understand how come people couldn't tell us apart. So when we first joined together, they said, okay, put your initials on your name tag. Well, no one else had initials, so why should we? But it was nice to join together, and but we made different friends quickly. So Jen had her own group of friends and I had mine, but we were together for a lot of things. So it was just fun. And you guys, you did all the same training and... We did, except for when we went through Cornwallis because... Louise went first and I went afterwards. So when I got off the bus, I thought, Snyder, you doing back here. <laughs> what? Why would I want to come back here? Never been here before. And they're really into push-ups. So I think within my first half an hour being off the bus, I did 60 push-ups because of my sister. <laughs> right? Like, really? She's always getting you in trouble. She's not even here. So the one year I spent um, on the East Coast and all the friends I had on the East Coast were on the West Coast with Louise the following year. So I'd get a phone call going, do you know so-and-so? They keep hugging me. Yep, got it. Same thing. I was at the Halifax Tattoo and there's like 16,000 people. And this lady came up to me and said, there sure are a lot of ugly people here, right? I'm thinking, there's ugly people everywhere. <laughs> so she said something else and she goes, you're not Louise, are you? And I went, no. <laughs> and she left. <laughs> she didn't, didn't even... tell me who she was, <laughs> didn't tell me what was going on. So I phoned Louise and said, do you know a lady that talks about ugly people? She said, oh yeah, she's a really good friend of mine. We used to tease each other as to who was uglier. I'm thinking, I'm in Halifax, 16,000 people, and this lady picks me out of the crowd thinking I'm Louise. It was nuts. <laughs> Absolutely nuts. But we've had that our whole career. Right. Even here, a lady I work with would see Louise at the St. Albert Market and hug her. And I get this phone call saying, this big, tall lady with fuzzy hair keeps hugging me. Who is she? She's the lady I work with. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're like, I'm never going to escape this. <laughs> and then we get other people that don't think we're related at all. Wait, I see you, and I you do look alike to me. Like, I can tell you apart, but that's because I know you both separately. But it's just so funny to me that people just, oh, you're the other one. I don't look anything like my sister, and she's two years younger than me, and I get it. So it's just, it's really funny how people just associate siblings always looking like each other. And Louise was in Ottawa, and I was here. And we were both still in. So I phoned her at work and her boss answered the phone. And I said, is Corporal Snyder there? He goes, well, she just stepped out. Can I tell her who's calling? I said, yeah, Corporal Snyder. He goes, seriously, Louise, that's not funny. I said, no, sir, I'm her sister. Seriously, Louise, that's not funny. And she walked in the door at the same time he said it. Well, it freaked him right out. Like, <laughs> dropped the phone. <laughs> Turn off the phone, stop talking. All of a sudden, I hear Jen on the other end going, Hello? Hello? I said, Sir, you might want to answer that. What? 
You might want to answer that. There's two of you. Yeah. <laughs> what are the ranks like? So you're both corporal. What? What? Where does that rank? I have no idea. Bottom of the total pole. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sort of. So you have junior ranks, which are privates, corporals, master corporal. Okay. Then you have uh, senior ranks, which are sergeants, warrants, master warrant officers, and chiefs. And mm-hmm. then you have a whole different section of officers. Okay. So you start as a no-hook private, which you have no say in anything, a private, and then a corporal. Okay. So we were kind of in the middle of the junior rank. And does it work the same as a promotion? You can work your way up. Yes, there's different levels within each promotion. So I think the captain has, what, 20 levels in it within the captain rank just alone. Um, So in some promotions in some trade, I hate to say it, someone almost has to die before you get promoted. Oh. So. Yeah. But in the Navy, yeah. if you're on board ship, the more the CO hits the jetty, the more he'll get promoted. Oh. We used to call them Captain Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> Liz is just here shaking her head. She's like, oh, dear. <laughs> well, no, we have one officer in Halifax. So you're in Bedford Basin, and he hit the jetty. So we left one of the guys behind and had to do it again. And... You heard him screaming, don't leave me, I'm having your baby, come back. <laughs> and it screwed up the CO so bad he hit the jetty the second time. So we just, yeah. Look, he's jetty bashing and he's good at it. That's, that's actually quite amazing. It's entertaining when it's... you're on standing on the other side. Yes. That's great. <laughs> Louise, where did most of your tours take place? Uh, I spent most of my career in Canada, but I've been Egypt, Israel, Colorado, New York. I spent 10 days in Russia with the Prime Minister, did a tour with Charles and Diana. But most of mine, uh, unlike Jen's, most of mine were in Canada. Though. Yeah. And Jen, what about you? Where did most of um, I've been to Switzerland, Germany, um, Dubai. Bosnia, Sarajevo, Afghanistan. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, do you get, you don't really get a choice of where you're posted, do you? Or, depending yeah. on. You, you do. You can ask for specific tours if you want to go overseas. Okay. But most postings when we joined were four to five years. So okay. every four or five years you got posted. Now it's almost eight to ten because of the cost. Mm. So you can apply for tours overseas. Uh, most of the time you can get them, but for internal postings within Canada, you go where you're sent. Okay. Being posted, Jen, in different countries, what has been the biggest culture shock you faced? I have to say Bosnia and Sarajevo, only because of the ethnic cleansing that we saw between okay. the Serbs and the Croats. Oh. So... They just woke up one morning and didn't like each other's religion and had at it. So that was sort of the worst I've ever seen, yeah. and that's always stuck to me. Right. Because um, I've been to mass grave sites and I've been to other spots that I normally wouldn't have a chance to go see, but because of the people that I was with, with the military police and other people who were on patrol, mm-hmm. we saw that. So oh. to me, that would have been. The biggest culture shock. Yeah. yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And out of these countries, do you have a favorite that you've been able to visit? Um, Sarajevo was amazing as far as history goes. Yeah. Because I was able to go all over the country and see the Olympic sites, villages, and what was left of them. So to me, that was absolutely amazing. And I'd, I'd go back, actually, just to see what it's like now. Yeah. Yeah. And Louise, for you, what has been the biggest culture shock you faced? Um, I had a hard time when I went to the Middle East working with Americans. It was a peacekeeping tour, but they had the attitude that we are here to change everything and make you more American than you want to be. So nothing has changed then. No, they're still exactly the same. <laughs> they still have that, we're here to conquer the planet and you're going to become us whether you like it or not. And they just couldn't grasp what they were, were they're supposed to do. I traveled a lot with two Americans in particular. And I always said to them, when we cross the border, you're a Canadian. And this is how you're going to behave or you can't come with me. Set that precedent of respect. Yeah, and I didn't want to get arrested on the other side because they were misbehaving either. Yeah. So, um, but for me, it was more their whole attitude. You're right. It hasn't changed in no. 20 years. Where has been your memorable or favorite place that you visited? Wow. Um, well, I thought Colorado was amazing, but then I got to go into Cheyenne Mountain and see some pretty secret stuff. So to me, that was amazing. And... I think Israel was just beautiful and stunning, and I'd go back to Israel. Um, I'd never go back to Russia. Louise, how old were your kids when you were away? When I was in Egypt for six months, they were six and eight. My phone bill was horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot, because I'd call them at least once a week yeah. and talk to them as often as I could. I sent lots and lots of letters. Mm-hmm. Christmas time over there was extremely hard, being away from family and friends and yeah so everybody tried to make it work with each other but yeah they were six and eight yeah they were little little yeah yeah you send them a lot of things from egypt and yeah wherever or whichever country i was in i'd try and send my kids something that had to do with that culture like the russian dolls and other things so that they always had something from wherever we were at right gives them a sense of the world and culture because not when you couldn't be around that at least opened up their eyes to there's a whole other world out there for them as well and what amazes me even all this time later they still have it then what was it like leaving loved ones when you were away um i was married at the time so i did three tours in five years the hardest person leaving was my sister it wasn't my spouse because he was military as well but my sister, so when our four guys in Afghanistan died, we were in a blackout. And the first person I called when it was listed was Louise. Mm-hmm. And call my spouse or anybody else I called. Um, but I think the military brought us closer together as much as we've always had a close bond. That just brought us back closer together so we could always email each other or I could phone her um, no matter the time change. Mm-hmm. But like I said, in Afghanistan, uh, when the band finally lifted, I phoned her first. Yeah. So it was always hard leaving her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still is. I hate it when she goes away, whether it's, you know, down at the States or the PEI or whatever. And we always talk at least twice a day. Yeah. Even now, <laughs> if not more. So guys, it just proves no matter how much you 
fight with your sister, they're still, <laughs> they're still that annoying person that you're stuck with the rest of your life that you wouldn't have any other way, I really. I no. wouldn't want to be stuck with anybody else but Louise. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I can see us in a senior's home looking at each other going, God, you look familiar. <laughs> oh, my God. I can only imagine nurses being like, Louise, no, Jen, no, Louise, who are you? <laughs> In our rocking chair, picking at each other and other people, and yeah, the old <laughs> Alzheimer's thing. <laughs> so yes, you said being in the military together brought you closer together, which is really sweet. And the fact that you have all these stories—they were when we had a brief break, they would tell us these. They told me these stories of Colonel. Lieutenant Colonel just mixing up Louise for Jen, and it was just—it's hilarious that it doesn't matter. And I have a friend now that just thinks it's. Hilarious when we're together. He just sits there and listens to us and laughs. Okay, sure. <laughs> well, it's that it's that comfort that you guys have with each other that you shine through to other people that they're like, we're not going to understand it. We're not going to step in it. We're just going to let them go and do we their thing. We don't get it either. <laughs> <laughs> Louise's youngest daughter, Kate, if Louise and I get the giggles, Kate goes, there they go. <laughs> they're off. We'll just leave them alone for now. <laughs> we just kind of do our thing in the corner and then we're all right. We're good. <laughs> Jen, you still work for the Canadian Armed Forces, but in the offices. What has the change been like? When I first got out, I was on a medical release. And I was angry because I wanted to get out on my terms mm-hmm. and not the military's terms. Right. But I'm doing exactly what I was doing before. So I'm in the same environment it's been good for me I haven't it was more better the devil you know than the devil you don't right um I was able to roll over my pension it's the same system and it's something I've always known my whole life so yeah I've enjoyed it yeah like I said before it's Monday to Friday if I want to wear jeans to work I wear jeans to work. it's that comfort of familiarity absolutely yeah absolutely yeah yeah. That's so awesome. I It's nice that you could transition into something that, you know, because lots of times you, and Louise, how did your journey go? When after you left? Um, I got headhunted by an officer that I worked for in Cold Lake. So I was still in in Ottawa, and he actually found a way to contact me and say, I have a job offer for you. Are you interested? And because I had already done 21 years, I could get out on a month's notice instead of six. I could prove that I had a job to go to, so I wasn't getting out to try and get out of a tour or anything. Um, But even though it wasn't military, because of the position it was filling as an office manager for the Y2K project, and our client was military, I understood the requirements and the language that needed to be spoken and being admin finance and having that structure. That's the way I am even today after being out 21 years that I still have that very, I suppose, regimented structure and it served me very well throughout my whole career. I just don't have anything to do with the military now except I'm in touch with very special friends, and we always, always honor Remembrance Day. Only once we missed Remembrance Day, and that's because we were on an aircraft due to my mother's death. And for those looking for things to do for Remembrance Day, there's lots of services around the city. Where do you usually go? I go to the one in St. Albert because it's close to home. I can walk to and from it. Yeah. Um, I just enjoy the smaller services. 
I'm not a big fan of crowds like at the Butter Dome. To me, it's too much and too loud. Um, but I think Jen goes to different places. Yeah, where Jen, where Jen um, usually. I went to a different spot last year, but I normally go to the St. Albert one, like Louise. Yeah. Um, and I'm the same as Louise. I don't do well in a crowd for certain reasons. Um, but I think it's lost part of its meaning. Okay. Because so? now some of them are like two hours long, and everybody is laying a wreath. Like 800 degrees later, people are missing the whole point of what Remembrance Day is like. And to me, you don't really have to go to a service to remember the friends that you've lost. Mm-hmm. That was one thing about Afghanistan, is I lost quite a few of my friends that were over there at uh, different tours. And I don't need just a certain day to remember them. I remember them all the time, you know. So it's um, has different meanings for different people. So The weird thing I find for Remembrance Day that as we get older, with Jen and I, both of us will be 61 in January, is that you don't have World War One vets anymore. Very, very few World War Two vets anymore. Where are it? Like, you see the younger people that are still in the military and all their medals of all the tours that they've been and they're still in uniform, but they forget now that we're the senior vets. So to us, that's, to me, that strikes very different as I get older. But unlike Jen, where I remember friends that have passed away or that I haven't seen in a long time, all the time, it's not just Remembrance Day. It's something that is constantly part of you, mm-hmm. that you're always paying respect to, even though you in the back of your mind, it is always there. And it's something that it's never, ever going to leave, for sure. That's why I find it difficult sometimes when people start getting into the Christmas mode and everything before Remembrance Day. To me, Remembrance Day is very important and it shouldn't be forgotten. So to me, Christmas things and putting up decorations and starting Christmas carols should always be after Remembrance. That may be a political faux pas. Sorry. (laughs) Everybody has something, right? Everybody has... Everyone can argue that you should start decorating for Halloween in September or <laughs> it is important because without you or the past fighting for us, it would be a completely different world now. Um, leaving active duty, Louise, what has the aftermath been like for you? Not just, you know, your change of work environment, but in life. I think for me, being in the military, I had very high standards. <laughs> uh, you guys, I work with her. Her standards are high. <laughs> so we're <mine. laughs> There are days where she's helping me with things I work with, and I can see a, a military background coming through, and I'm like, nope, this is just her, and we're fine two minutes later. <laughs> Sorry. No, never apologize oh. for helping me. You're keeping me in line. I need... I'm not trying to keep you in line. <laughs> I'm doing. That's safe for my manager. (laughs) She's making sure that I'm doing what I need to do correctly so then I get it for less headache future on in my life. I think because of the standards and the structure that we had in the military, it always followed me regardless of what job I had. And I, we were raised by our parents, to take pride in what you do for a living and take pride in your work. So I struggle where I have people that make twice the amount of money that I do, 
their work is absolute crap and they get paid for it and there's yeah they just think it's someone else's job and not theirs yeah and it's not own it that's why you're here and that's why you were given the promotion that you were given so live up to that promotion yeah you're in that position do it and own it and set an example because there are people that are looking up to you to see where they want to go in their careers and if you're not setting an example then people are going to think well this is this is not what I want because this is you don't make it look like something I want to do and it follows the respect level you look at somebody in a senior position and you think I don't respect you at all let alone want to follow you and Jen what about you what has been the aftermath of leaving active duty what has that been like for you Good, because like I said before, those that I used to have to call sir, I don't anymore. So yeah. I don't. Yeah. Um, I had my former boss said to me, well, he didn't say it to me. He'd go to a friend of mine and say, she's too blunt, you need to talk to her. Um, no, if you're not prepared for the answer, don't ask me a question, because I don't pussyfoot around it. I don't think of you as... Um, somebody who's different. Louise and I have both been around generals, Lady Diana, Prince Charles, um, and other such people like that. And like Louise's son, respect is earned. It's not a gimme. No. No matter what rank you are. And if you haven't earned that as a general, then don't expect it from me. You're not going to get it. Um, so to me, getting out was good, but I'm doing what I've always known. So You're it hasn't been a it. whole lot of change. Yeah for me at all. Um, I see more of the political side of it now that I'm on the city side, not the military side. Mm-hmm. But it's been a good change. Good transition for you. Absolutely. Yeah. And fairly easy. Um, so I don't mind it at all. That's great. It's really good. Um, Louise, mental scars are quiet but last longer than physical ones. What are your mental scars and what has the healing been like for you? Um. And whatever you don't want to talk about, you don't That's okay. have to talk about um, I don't understand how people, as they get older, can't grasp the general things in life. Mm. And um, we were never handed things to us on a silver spoon. We had to earn it. You had to do things in order to earn your allowance and do things. Our mom was very academic. We had to prove a lot of things to her, whereas our dad was very much, if you've done your best and you're good with it, so was he. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I really struggle with people that just kind of drift through life and don't get it and have no aspirations to be more, more or any better or any stronger. And I find at work, I've got one individual that can't grasp the basics and it frustrates me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to let that go to want to say, get a grip. This isn't difficult. But they have they don't have the same background I do or the same understanding. So I just have to try and figure out how to, A, shut up, and B, not let it bother me. Yeah, I get it. It's, it's people that you're given every opportunity, but you don't necessarily know how to use those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You never truly leave being in the armed forces and training stays with you. What have you learned about yourself because of it? And what message 
do you want to send to those in the armed forces or who have retired from the field? Um, for me, I'm very proud that I serve. Sometimes on Remembrance Day when there's very younger army guys around the cenotaph and they have more medals. I've had a couple years where they poked fun at me and, well, you haven't been to all the places I have and who in the hell are you? And like they look down their nose at me. I served 21 years. I'm very proud of the fact that I served. Mm -hmm. Very proud of the fact the places that I went. Very proud of the fact that I'm a serving member in a very strong serving family. Mm -hmm. um, I've never frowned upon the fact that I only have three medals as opposed to eight. And Jen, what message do you want to send to those in the armed forces right now or have retired from the field? Get your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I allow one. Because <laughs> you have guys that have done 30 years of military. Don't know what they want when they get out. So they go to a job interview. They're in a really nice three-piece suit. And they're military Oxfords. You couldn't afford another pair of nice normal shoes when you got out? Like, really? Walmart has them for real cheap, guys. <laughs> I've heard that. And you don't have to polish those. No. <laughs> Most guys that I know these days that when they get out, they know what they want to do when they get out. Yeah. I've seen friends of mine, though, that have done 30 years. A week later, they're in Mexico golfing and they died of a heart attack because mm. they've done the military for so long. Right. Um... Most of them know what they want. Just make sure that you know financially what you want and where you want to go. Because you get young guys that get out now that aren't financially set up, aren't financially sound. They don't know what they want when they get out. They just know that they want to get out of the military. Mm -hmm. Just make sure you have it together when you get out. Yeah. Where you want to go, what you want to do. Right. And how you want to get there. Yeah. Nobody likes a scrub. For those that are the millennials, TLC said it best. Nobody wants a scrub. So get your stuff together. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I said it in a much harsher way. This can of corn, get your poop together. Yeah. <laughs> I keep a can of corn at my desk at all times. <laughs> You're too old for mom and dad to support you. Get a grip. <laughs> neck <laughs> <laughs> having your fatigues in your closets still and you look at them from time to time what kind of happy memories does that bring up for you i'm one of these people is your time is what you make it and even in afghanistan on road of zero where we were you know there's two people in a four-man tent by the end of your tour your zippers don't work because of the sandstorms you pick up your boots every day and shake them out for scorpions and Campbell spiders and snakes and stuff like that. It was one of my good tours because of the friends I made and the times that we had. So we would, overseas they have what's called a gator. It's like a, a golf cart. So the Americans were living in a, in a brick building. So we would all sit in our gators. We put up a movie on the side of the wall and pretend it's a drive-in. You know, we'd all make yeah. popcorn and different stuff like that. So. I think of good times, times I've been out in the field, times where you've been awake for 36 hours and, you know, because you've been out in the field and you're doing different things. The people I've met, though I still have friends with, you know, I've been on the CMB Edmonton base since 98, you know, so I still have a lot of friends and most of them are still family. Oh. So 
I have good memories of my cards. Yeah. I don't have any left in my closet. I got rid of all of them, but you know, I have good memories of it. Awesome. And Louise, for you? I am. Um, when I got out, I got out. I didn't go on the reserve list. I didn't keep anything in my uniform. Um, I still had my United Nations beret and my peacekeeper medals and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. My memories are all in my head and in my heart. So I remember things when I was on board ship and doing midnight shifts and parts of Egypt and Israel, my tour with Princess Diana. I tell people stories depending on the subject and some of them are funny, some of them I try and point fingers to go, if I can do this, so can you. Um, so to me, it's certain smells, certain sights, trigger <laughs> things, but I don't have any parts of my uniform in my closet either. Turned it all in. And that's, and I feel like that's one aspect, but the fact that you still have those memories in both your hearts and your heads and it's the friends, Jen, the friends that you keep, Louise, the memories and the way you want to live your life going forward, I think that is just the most important part to carry with you for sure. And it's really beautiful. What are your, what for you, Louise, are your top five songs? Um, there's, sorry, I have to look at my notes. Memory short. <laughs> for one, Tim McGraw, if you're reading this, this is about when he has served his country and passed away. And the song is dedicated to his family and what it's about. The video is absolutely phenomenal. The second one is by Pink and Chris Stapleton, Love Me Anyway. Uh, Ed Sheeran, Supermarket Flowers is about his grandmother and what she meant to him growing up and how she was able to see him turn into a great young man. The other one was The Greatest Showman Cast, uh, This Is Me. And Johnny Reed with Jessica Mitchell, and the song is called Whiskey Kisses. And Jen, what about you? What are your top five songs? Well, they're kind of different from Wheezy's. My first one is Sound of Silence by Disturbed. Yeah. Disturbed. Um, it's a long way to the top by ACDC because it's got the bagpipes in it. Yeah. It is rocking. <laughs> that I like. Awesome uh, driving music. It is. Dancing on My Own by Callum Scott. You Are the Reason by Callum Scott. And Mercy Street by Peter Gabriel. Oh, I love Callum Scott. He's so good. His songs are very sweet. And he's cute, too. He's very Not cute. Not in the eyes at all. No. Awesome singer. Oh, yeah, amazing. Awesome singer. Yeah. But Dancing on My Own is a song that he did by Robin. Really good, It's very good covers. But those are the different... Well, thank you for sharing that. I want to thank Louise and Jen for being here today. It was great to sit down with them. Thank you for listening to What's Your Hustle podcast, created, produced, and hosted by yours truly, Halima Hussein. Be sure to check us out on Instagram at What's Your Hustle podcast. Also, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, as well as anywhere else you stream podcasts. And until next time, whatever your hustle is, you got this.